And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senoras y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Coming to you live, it is Season 4, Episode 3. I'm your host, as always, Robbie Gutierrez, coming to you right now at RobG1063 on Twitter if you want to follow me and talk some NAI baseball. Absolutely a ton to talk about this week. We've got two really great interviews. We've got all the stuff we've always got. Shoutouts and mentions, best of the week in review. An interview with a Major League Baseball expert, NAI ball hitter and pitcher of the week. An interview with a top 25 programs coach. Games and series to watch as well as big series of the week. It is absolutely a jam-packed show. Before we get to Cody Butler... We have to thank our friends over at Silverback Sports. This The NAI Ball podcast is brought to you by Silverback Sports. Our friends over at ShopSilverback.com and at ShopSilverback on social media. Make sure you're checking them out. Make sure you're getting that website hits. Make sure you're following them. Make sure you are buying the products from them. It's an NAI-made company run by NAI coaches. It's NAI born and bred. It's everything that you need for arm care and training essentials. While you're at it, follow everything with the NAI Ball Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're downloading the episode each week. Have every single freshman on your team do it. Rinse, repeat, do it again. Absolutely the way that you need to be doing it every single week. Subscribe, download, rate, repeat. We appreciate you as always. So let's get into the show we can't get anything rolling without the foremost authority on NAI baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cody Butler himself. Cody, baby, how's it going today? Uh, the Super Bowl was great. Uh, I'm just glad that it's all on baseball now. All eyes on us. Football's behind us. And I'm ready to rock and roll, brother. It is absolutely our time now. And, Cody, there is no better way to start this off, man. I am absolutely hyped for this. USCB defeats Columbia International by a score of 11-7. to seven. Here's the final line for USCB. 11 runs on 14 hits. Columbia International, seven runs on zero hits. CIU scores seven runs. They get no hit. Absolutely wild. I mean, Cody, just when you think you've seen it all, man, this is, this is crazy because both teams used multiple pitchers. CIU threw four pitchers. USCB through six pitchers, absolutely crazy stuff to see from this game. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it was a you know prototypical bullpen day for both of these teams. It's a regular midweek. This is why, like, we love NAI baseball, man. The best happens here. This is just incredible. When you told me about it, you can attest to it. Like, I was super excited. To, just anything that like this that just never happens anywhere else. I've never seen seven run no hitter before, but I'm all for it. They got the win. This is all in good fun. You got the dub. Like, who cares? Like, this is incredible. You'll never forget this day. I know we won't. This is the first for us here at NAI Ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just seven runs literally without a hit. It's, it's really hard to do. Here's hoping <laughs> we see it again. No, it's, it's wild. You know, I will never forget 2013 as a sophomore playing Oklahoma City and we were getting no hit. We were up one nothing. We were getting no hit late into the game and just thinking we're about to get no hit and, and win. Like this is the craziest thing ever. And we did end up winning and we did end up getting one hit, but I'll never forget. It's like the ninth inning and Robert Garza is like, 
do we call the Dallas Morning News? Like, how does this work? Like, we're about to beat a, a, a top 20, a top five team and we're about to get no hit. <laughs> and so it was, it was, you know, just it's wild stuff. And that's the great thing about, you know, just the way that this game goes is you never know what's going to happen. Baseball in itself is weird and unpredictable. And so to see this happen is, is just absolutely wild. And these are the things that, that we really enjoy and love seeing on, you know, not just on the show, but, you know, in general, baseball is so unpredictable that you never, ever have an idea of what is going to happen. So Cody, let's get into it with shout outs and mentions, man. First and foremost, a shout out to Wayland Baptist head coach, Brad Bass. He won his thousandth game, 743rd with the Pioneers, ninth among current NAI coaches. So ninth active amongst current coaches in wins, 23rd all time in career wins. A shout out to Kaiser University head baseball coach Brooke Fordyce picked up his 100th win as the Seahawks skipper in his third season. Arizona Christian first baseman Robbie Campillo set an ACU single program record with eight RBIs in a win over the Masters. Arizona Christian took the series three games to one in five games last week. He went 10 for 20, 500 on the dot with two doubles, four home runs, and 12 RBIs. Oakland City swept Goshen in their return to the NAI over the weekend. Victor Alvarez went 5-for-5 five five at the plate with a pair of stolen bases. Central Methodist shortstop in Laredo Alexander product Sergio Macias opened the hitting, the season hitting 5-33 with two doubles, two home runs, and a four-game sweep over Our Lady of the Lake in San Antonio, Texas. NAI ball and myself was there for that one. Talladega starting pitcher Horacio de Leon struck out 12 in a narrow 3-1 to one defeat against a very good Faulkner team. Antonio Frias struck out nine and five innings for the win for Faulkner. St. Francis third baseman Caden Sullivan finished five for five with a double and two stolen bases in game two of their series win over Union. Freed Hardeman starting pitcher Jacob Sawyers throws seven innings pitch, one earned run, 12 Ks in the win over Tabor out of Kansas. Benedictine Mesa starting pitcher Tyler Jacobson threw eight innings of two-run baseball with nine strikeouts in the win over number 13 Westmont. A very impressive win for Ben U Mesa over Westmont. Southeastern starting pitcher Bryce Mulcahy struck out 14 and six scoreless against Indiana Wesleyan. And then Oregon Tech starting pitcher Patrick Arman went seven innings pitch, one earned run, 10 Ks in the win over College of Idaho. Cody, plenty to look at and go over this week, but in the shout outs and mentions, what kind of stands out to you? Uh, Robbie Campillo, I mean, the week he had against the Masters was just incredible. Uh, you know, he was really close to being our player of the week nationally. Big series win for Arizona Christian. And, uh, yeah, I just thought it was really incredible. He got there, he hit 500, four home runs. It's just a big bat. Last night against Lewis Clark State, drives a big double in the gap in RBI. That doesn't even include, like, last night's stats weren't even included in that. So he's just a big-time player for them. You know, I, I for, for myself, it's going to be Central Methodist shortstop uh, Sergio Macias. Uh, I got to see him and his two home runs in person on Saturday and he absolutely raked and you know, that's, that's a big ballpark that our lady of the lake plays at in San Antonio where the wind is not very kind. Uh, And so for him to hit an opposite field home run and then hit an absolute screaming line drive right back up the middle 
and hit it over a 20-foot batter's eye in dead center was absolutely impressive. I mean, he just put on one heck of a hitting display this past weekend. Uh, unfortunately, as we'll talk later, you know, some weather affecting uh, some games and series around the nation, so we won't get to see him this weekend at OCU. But plenty of season left for them and so much to go over. Also, again, Talladega starting pitcher Horacio de Leon striking out 12, pitching really, really well against Faulkner. Uh, that's a big one. Talladega really, you know, when they buckle down, they can really give some people some fits from around the nation and look at what they did to Faulkner in that that game. So really an impressive showing from him. Also, you know, want to give a quick shout to uh, Dickinson State starting baseball again in the NAI, getting ready to play here in March. Cody, man, we move on to our week in review. So there's really four teams that we kind of want to go over. And I'm going to start with with really the obvious team that we want to talk about here, and that is going to be Cumberland's Kentucky, who starts the season 3-0. and They had a 17-10 win over St. Thomas, an 11-2 win over Bryan, and an 8-6 win over Georgia Gwinnett. A 417 average to start the year. Brian Leaf is six for nine with two home runs, eight RBIs. Nathan Geisler, five and a two-thirds innings pitch, three hits, two earned runs, seven strikeouts versus Georgia Gwinnett. Thomas Gutierrez, five inning pitch, two earned runs, seven Ks versus Brian. A really good start to Brad Shelton's club for the 2021 campaign. Yeah, man, they were incredible. Uh, Candido and Carnacion, uh, five for five against St. Thomas in that Saturday morning game, their opener, and they just never looked back, man. They came out there and put up 26 hits, scored 17 runs, and uh, I mean, as you know, Gwinnett's usually a pitcher-friendly park, and that, I mean, that's just really sensational. And then they went on there, they put it on Brian. The St. Thomas game wasn't as close as the score seemed. They got up big early and controlled it throughout. They put it on Brian, and then they come out there and they put it on Gwinnett, man. I mean, just really impressive performance. The Gwinnett game got close late, but they controlled that entire game as well. Really impressive stuff. Like, I was blown away. Like, I didn't know who was going to come out the top dog this weekend, but I didn't think anyone was going to go out there and just dominate and just run through the field. And I'll tell you what, man, Cumberland's really did. I was really impressed with them. And they didn't even have Colton Easterwood, but an inning. Their ace, Colton Easterwood, came out there in a big spot against Gwinnett, uh, got a huge strikeout against Nick Barnes. Uh, pitch another inning, another shutout inning. And, like That's going to be their ace, and he didn't even really get to throw this weekend. So, I mean, I just think the sky's the limit for this team. They showed that offensively they're going to swing it and they could hit anybody in the country. Really got to start thinking, like, this is a really big team that's a contender for Lewiston. Yeah, really impressive showing in Gwinnett this weekend for Cumberland's. Cody, the other team I want to talk about also starts the season 2-2, two and two, but this is a team that's had two really impressive wins, and that's Tabor. Tabor lost its first two games by one run in each game, losing to LSUS on a walk-off by a score of 10-9, and then losing to Freed Hardeman 2-1. They won their next two games. They beat LSUS 11-5, and they beat Freed Hardeman 7-1. They come out on the second day, second and third day, and just absolutely crush it. I mean, just absolutely impressed by Tabor and the way they start their season because that is a really easy place to go into into Shreveport and say, you know what? We're playing two highly ranked teams. There's a good possibility we start the year 0-4, and, and they absolutely did not do that. They came out and they absolutely crushed it. I did not see that. I thought, you know, maybe they'll take a game or so, but to come out 2-2 two and two with two really impressive wins, I mean, dominating wins over LSUS and Freed Hardeman. Yeah, man. I mean, it was, it was super impressive. Good for Tabor. 
come out there. They're picked to win the KCAC. So we know they can play. They were the preseason favorite uh, voted by the coaches. And they came out there and got two top 10 wins. This is a team that's, as we mentioned last week, that have been to Lewiston before. They're trying to get back in the top 25. We've been seeing it all week. You know, don't sleep on the Blue Jays. And Matt Johnson had a really good week for them, led the team with seven hits over the weekend, had a double and a triple. Uh, you look at Dante Nelson Jr. Now, uh, he didn't get the win. He went up against a buzzsaw in Sawyers, who was just mowing him down. But he got a no decision with six innings, gave up one earned run, struck out four. I mean, Tabor is a team that we're going to watch this season as what do they do in the KCAC? Can they get back to the opening round? Are they going to be a tournament team? I think that they showed that this weekend they can compete with anyone. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. They can they can compete with anybody on that aspect. And uh, it'll be interesting to see because what it comes down to at the end of the day is it's going to come down to that conference play. You know, it's it's great to get the wins now and you want to play a tough schedule and you want to see that national competition. But if you come out and you absolutely flounder in conference play, it's not going to go well. I wish this weekend wasn't what this weekend is uh, or else I'd be making a trip to San Antonio to see Mark Standiford and Tabor play baseball, uh, which I would absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love to do. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to miss that as they take on Our Lady of the Lake this weekend. But a two and two start to Tabor with two extremely impressive wins, dominating wins over LSUS and Freed Hardeman, and two very close losses by one run in each game. The next team we need to talk about, Cody, is four and one to open the year, and that is Lewis Clark State College. They have wins over Westmont, a split with Hope International, San Diego Christian, Arizona. Christian as well. Jack Johnson is hitting 438. They have five players with two home runs through five games. Alec Holmes, 1-0 with five innings pitched, seven strikeouts, and they are just absolutely impressive to start this season. Hitting the ball, they have a 319 team average, and on the mound as a staff, they have a 364 team ERA. Cody, man, I mean, LCSC last year, 15-5, and but they had some tough losses this year four and one and a good start. They're playing Ben Mesa right now. Yeah, I actually think this is going to be a really good LC team. I've seen LC in person now three years in a row. Solomon, they came to Lawrenceville and just ran over Gwinnett back in 2017. And then obviously I saw him in Lewiston in the World Series last couple of years. I don't think it's a slight to say the 2018 and 2019 teams were a step down from the teams that they had that were winning national titles. I think this team is back up to that level. I mean, you just look at some of the talent they've brought in. Uh, the Friday night guy, Talon Thomason, he's a transfer from UNLV. Jack Johnson, he's a transfer from Washington. Dylan Plew, he's a transfer from Washington State. Really talented guy. He's a D1 transfer. Dalton Horam, who's playing really well. Dalton Heron, uh, Virginia Tech transfer. I just think that this is a loaded team with a ton of D1 kickbacks. I think they're talented. They passed the eye test. I've seen them three times now this year already. They look good, man. They're clubbing the baseball. They've scored 10-plus runs in all four of their wins. They're averaging over 10 runs a game. They're hitting home runs. I think that they're going to be good this year. I think that this is not like the 2019 LC team. This is a team that's got more depth. Uh, I think they can hit. Well, Now, their pitching staff is a question we'll have to see. Um, they're really going to have to get better on the mound. But offensively, I think they're one of the best teams in the country. I would put them literally in my top five best offenses in the country. I, I do think this is an improvement for Jake Taylor's squad. Uh, you, what, what you're looking at is – they went 15 and five last year, but they started really slow. They started two and three to the season. They had a good win against William Jessup. They had a good win against Westmont, but then they had losses to Taylor, Arizona Christian, Antelope Valley. They split with British Columbia. So basically, last season, the teams that they played that were notable NAI programs out to the West or even Taylor in the Midwest, they didn't fare well against. 
They didn't fare well against them at all. And this year they've come out and they've really changed that narrative quite a bit, you know, in, in beating Westmont and they beat Westmont last year was eight to one. This year was 13 to two. You know, that game that they won against Hope International was, was 14 to four. They didn't fare well in the second game where they lost seven to one, but then they've come out and beaten San Diego Christian 12 two, beat Arizona Christian last night, 11 four. They're playing Benue Mesa right now. So, um, LCSE has has looked they look different they look different and there there's no way around that and you will see them at the end of the year in Lewiston so there there's just no way around it they were super impressive to start the season they got Benu Mesa before taking on Arizona Christian two more times this weekend Cody last but not least in our weekend review is a team that was three and twenty in the year 2020 and they start the 21 campaign two and one it's York College out of Nebraska. Opening day win versus Oklahoma City by a score of 9-7, to and then Mid-America Nazarene 6-4, so two top 25 wins right off the bat for them. Blake Hernandez with a team-leading 545 average through 11 at-bats. Ethan Lands and Jesus Licon with a team-leading four RBIs through three games. Cody, man, I did not expect York to jump up and bite anybody, uh, especially after going 3-20 and in last season. Just absolutely shocking to me, but... You know, they they were dominating in that Oklahoma City game. They were up nine to three at one point and they they staved off the stars, which is hard to do because that is that is a potent offense. Yeah, it really is. The shocker of the weekend, honestly. And uh hats off to them. This is a program that you know in 2019 was an opening round final. So they've been there before. They've been really good in years past, too. But the 2020, for whatever reason, just wasn't their year, you know, starting three and twenty but they were able to regroup because of COVID. Everyone's able to get that extra year of eligibility. And uh, they look ready to play, man. You come out there and you get wins over OCU and Mid-American Nazarene. That's impressive. I mean, they beat Oklahoma City at Oklahoma City. It's really as good as it gets. I mean, so just big time wins for York. And I'm looking forward to see how they do the rest of the way. They were super hyped up, man. You know, we put the stuff out on social media. They were very hyped. They're all excited about it. So I think they think they have a good club this year. And I'm just kind of looking forward to see what they do this weekend. Absolutely agree. It is going to be a great weekend of college baseball, NAI baseball coming up for us. We had a great week last week, so super excited to see what the future holds for us. But first, Cody, we have to talk with Mr. Jordan Schusterman. He is a co-founder of Cespedes Family Barbecue, and he is interviewing with us now on the NAI Ball Podcast. Joining us now on the NAI Ball Podcast, Mr. Jordan Schusterman from Cespedes Family Barbecue, at Cespedes Barbecue on Twitter. He is a co-host of the podcast about D3 Baseball. Uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue started in high school, uh, I believe. Is is that correct? Yeah, no, you you got it. Uh, I'm also glad you dropped the, uh, the D3 pod before our, our actual day job at Baseball <laughs> yeah, well, Barbecue. <laughs> Baseball barbecue is our, our podcast with the ringer, but yes, no, uh, that is it. That is a, indeed a fact. Um, seven, eight years ago, holy shit, eight years ago, <laughs> started uh, Cespedes Barbecue with my friend Jake, who is not here with us tonight. Uh, but we will, we will, you know, have some good baseball banter in his honor for sure. Absolutely, you know, we're, we're uh, thankful that you could join us, and and we definitely uh, unfortunate to miss Jake, and and again. If you didn't pick that up, it is Baseball Barbecue Podcast uh, with The Ringer is their day job. So definitely, definitely, definitely awesome. Super thrilled to have you on. Let's jump into it. The reason that you're here is Mr. Luis 
Vargas at Wayland Baptist. Y'all retweeted, uh, and you know, I, I want to say also quote tweeted, you know, our tweet about him. That's how all of this conversation and and got in motion. Before you know it, Adam Jones was jumping in on it. Dontrell Willis was in on it also with Adam Jones. I mean, we were, we just couldn't believe the whole thing. I mean, craziness. But th- the dude is dynamic. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean the 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 Adam Jones thing is is great and I would say also uh I think right now we are all craving baseball, <laughs> right? And with NAI being one of the first ones to get going, I know some JUCOs in Florida have started. D3 started this past weekend, of course, which I care very much about. Uh but we still got another couple of weeks before D1 gets going. And of course, MLB's at least a couple months away. So people are just craving any sort of baseball content. And especially having the college season cut short last year, I think people are itching for anything college baseball. And when you have <laughs> what we have seen thus far with Vargas in I what the first, I guess, eight games coming off of what he did last year, which I was not super familiar about. Uh, it was impossible not to take notice. And then, of course, being able to tune in this weekend and see him hit another home run was was amazing. So uh, as we'll get into here, I think uh, there's a lot to love about this level of baseball. Uh, no matter no matter what the true talent level is, uh, you can appreciate something like this, uh, no matter if you're any sort of baseball fan. Absolutely agree with that. You know, and, and that's the thing is, is we were talking off. I mean, we were talking so much off you know, off air that we just decided we we needed to start recording on this. But, you know, as I told you, the best thing about this level, my favorite thing is being, being the second chance level, uh, whether it be the Juco guy that, that needs the opportunity because he didn't make the grades to go to a bigger school or the the kid at the division one, division two, division three level, that's just looking for a new opportunity. You know, there's just so many opportunities, Luis Vargas, you know, going from Ranger college to Wayland Baptist and just doing the absolute job that he's done and, and the display of talent that he's done. And that that's a really good, I know you're not familiar with uh, the NAI as, as much, but that is a really solid conference that he plays in. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not a slouch conference it, you know, the sooner athletic conference is a really good conference that he plays in. So there are going to be some times later in this year that he's going to get to see uh university of science and arts of Oklahoma who might have, you know, historically the last three seasons, the best pitching staff in the nation who he did, you know, didn't get to see last year, but he'll get to see them this year, hopefully, uh, if everything pans out. So this is a really good baseball conference, and there's a reason why, you know, still Luis Vargas being the pure natural talent and power hitter that he is, hitting 515 on the season so far with eight home runs and, and 19 RBIs. In, in eight games. I mean, it is <laughs> truly. Yeah. So, okay, so I guess my my question would be for, for you guys is like, I mean, I, somehow I missed this last year. I know the season was shorter. Um, well, the season, of course, got cut short too. Uh, and I was really getting going with with the D3 stuff, you know, in the beginning of March. Uh, how big of a deal was this last year? I know he was named player of the year, correct? Even for the shortened season? Yes, we named him our player of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was a big deal. I mean, I, I considered it a big deal. Not quite. I think always like once you break out and then the following happens. So we didn't cover it quite as intensely as we are this year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it started to pile up. Once later in the year, the home run started to add up. And the really incredible thing about Vargas is you see a lot of people with these power numbers, but he's hitting for such a high average. I mean, to hit for 495 last year and to hit 500 this year, that's really when we started to take notices. This is probably one of the best hitters in the country. I mean, yeah. Like, so <laughs> this this is the other thing about this. And I know he's been on this this home run tear. 
you know, over these first eight games. And I guess he assume he led the country last year. Um, is this because, you know, at these levels of college baseball, there are some crazy stat lines. Regardless of the competition, you'll run into some absolutely bonkers, you know, thousand slugging and whatever, whatever metrics you want to do it. I mean, talking more about last year compared to this year, was that one of the best seasons, even a bridge that we've seen in NAIA in the last however many years, would you say? I, I don't know. This is a genuine question. I, I, I have no idea. Uh, or was it, it more in line with like who is normally the best in the country? It was better than that. But just going off the pace he was on, the home run record is 38 set by Bo Mills. He was on pace to flirt with it. I don't know if he would have had enough games at the end of the year. It would have been close. But I don't know. That was not a normal year. It was definitely, especially the average, 495 is not normal at all. I mean, that, that's not even close to normal. So, mm-hmm. no, I, I think he what he did was incredibly special last year. Yeah, no, I mean, he was he was just an absolute incredible talent. It, it's It's really, really, really crazy that he was just that – that good. I mean, I've, you know, as we talked off air, I've been around special. I mean, Caven Burgess was special who came to, uh, came to Kaiser university in West Palm beach, Florida hit 427, had 99 hits in the, in a 62 game season uh, with 21 home runs and 80 RBIs. And I would still put Luis Vargas's year above that just because of what he was able to do in such a short span of time. Mm-hmm. So, but every now and then you will get that kid that's just stands out above the rest that does everything just absolutely incredible. And and that was Luis Vargas last year. And it's so great to see him transition into this year and do it. And I know at some point he's going to start getting the free passes, you know, that. Okay, that right. So this was my, this was my next question um, because, you know, I think this is something I think a lot about when it comes to high school baseball and the top, you know, draft prospects for high school baseball. Right. Because you see these kids that are just so much like, you know, Joe Adele, when he was in playing high school ball in Kentucky, like, you know, he hits 28 home runs in whatever, 30 games. And it's like, well, how, how, why is anyone pitching to him now on the same hand at the same time, if you're facing Joe Adele, presumably you want to be the one that says you got Joe Adele out. So even if you want to care about winning baseball games, you don't want to back down. Everyone's competitive. Right. Um, but I do have to imagine the later we get in the season, if there are playoff implications, whatever, I just don't understand because it seems like if you're throwing it over the plate, he's going to hit it over the fence. Right? Yeah. Like, like that's kind of where we're at at this point. Um, and so like, it's not just a matter of like, Oh, pitch him carefully. Like if you are screwing up, he's probably hitting it very far. So I don't know how long do you guys think it'll take? As long as they keep hitting north of four, I mean, so the right now as a team, they're hitting 418. Right. So he has the wit, which is helping. He's not the only one with the right insane numbers right. on that team. A couple of years ago for the Masters, a guy came really close and we did hype him up. His name was Aaron Shackelford. He got drafted. Oh, by the I do know Aaron Shack. Okay. Yes. Because right. he's yeah. a pirate. Pick. Right. He got drafted by the Pirates. He was, uh, he hit 36. Now behind him, hitting behind him, Anthony LaPree gave him, he got drafted by the Mariners. Yeah. He got drafted by Seattle and uh, he hit 400. And he hit 28 home runs. So, and they were like neck and neck for a long part of the year, leading the country one and two. So a lot of people didn't pitch to Shackleford until the GSAC tournament. His conference tournament, he got walked a good bit. Now, this is a guy that had 10 less games than the home run leader, Bo Mills. And uh, and he hit 36. So, I mean, if he, he would have right had there, he, he was basically would have said it probably. Right. And he didn't it. even make the national tournament, let alone the World Series. Like I said, he didn't even make right. the national tournament. So, yeah, I think it really will depend on Vargas's teammates behind him. I mean, obviously. But uh, I, I wouldn't. Which, which is looking promising so far, I would say. I mean, they're they're doing, they're certainly doing their part. 
but no, you're right. I mean, at some point, like, I feel like if he really wants to set the record, he needs to be batting leadoff. That's another thing. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I know that I know that that's not, I know that they want to have him driving in as many runs. You want to get the guys on base. Like I get that, but you know, if we're trying to maximize the Luis ABs, like that's really at least about upset. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that way, that way we get them at least four to five bats a game. I, I feel you on that. Especially in those seven inning doubleheaders, man. Like I, I was, I was frustrated this weekend. I was like, man, come on, we got to get a few more. How, how, how are you liking those the seven inning doubleheaders? Are you do they do that in D three? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. But most con- there are a lot of conferences that do that that have always done that. There's some. There aren't actually. There are not that many left that do two nines. I mean, obviously, even before COVID, like there were not a lot of two nines um in d3 but but yeah I, i'm fine with it i'm so and, and honestly because i'm so used to it in d3 like when they brought it to mlb i was like yeah whatever like okay sure <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like super super normal and i understand why people don't like it i know players don't know totally like it even if it's for their own health in a lot of cases or at least for their own like roster's health but yeah i, I totally don't mind and, and even though it's a little jarring watching it at the major league level like I do kind of like that. I mean, yeah, when we're rooting for Luis to hit 50 homers, it's, it'd be nice if it was nine innings and he got more at bats. But the, I also like the urgency of a seven inning game. Like, I obviously, I, baseball's nine innings, and I get that. But every once in a while, like, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I, I like I like kind of the urgency in the fifth that you don't normally feel, especially in a major league game. You know, and and on that, totally agree with that. It, it's it's crazy that they're the feel of a seven inning game is so different. I don't even think Waylon has played a nine, a full nine inning game yet. Oh really? So, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, I think Waylon's played all seven so far this season. Yeah. Cause they've only played double headers so far. They do yeah. the four game sets right now. Yeah. And they just had this weekend's canceled. Very disappointing. It was heartbreaking stuff just for Texas <laughs> it's weather. I was, my weekend I was building my weekend around, around Luis Vargas at bats. <laughs> and now what am I going to just, what am I going to watch? What am I going to watch? Another, there's not even another sport. We're gonna watch basketball. Are you kidding me? Like, no, I want to watch Luis Vargas. Yeah, no, it's 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 really unfortunate that that's you know the weather this weekend is going to be so poor. We talked about it uh, a little bit earlier that there's a good chance that a lot of games around the nation at this level aren't getting played this weekend just because of of where the weather's going to end up. I'm I'm deep in South Texas. I'm right on the U.S. Mexico border in Texas, oh, and wow. I mean it's going to be in the 40s is the high here for this weekend. So. Listen, I just got to say, though, because I was texting with the D3 kid who had his season opener canceled this weekend in Texas. Y'all are y'all are some babies because in Ohio, <laughs> let me tell you, they're playing in 30 degrees until April 15th. So I understand that it's relative. And then in Texas, it's like, what the hell? We're supposed to be playing 65 and sunny. And so you're not as used to it. You're not as used to playing baseball when it's when it's snowing and you can't feel your fingers. But I don't know. I mean, I, I get it, but kind of weak sauce, in my if- opinion. If you've got 65 and sunny, you need to send it to me. It was 90 here today. So, <laughs> oh my God. I will, wow. I will take 65 and sunny all day. Uh, and, and then Wayland Baptist being out there on, you know, on the plains of, of West Texas, that's the, you know, they're not quite in the panhandle yet, but they're still out there in, in West Texas. And so I can't imagine what that wind chill is going to be like out there for them. Yeah, uh, no, to make those games. Listen, I'm not saying it sounds fun to play in that. I'm just. <laughs> I just, I just selfishly, I'm like, I would like to keep watching baseball. No, I mean, I don't, I don't blame you on that. Especially the thing is, is, is you were talking about the guys behind him. Uh, I know Marco Rivera, you know, and, and it does not shock me at all that Marco Rivera is hitting 571, you know, and has 16 hits on the year uh, or that Carlos Colazo is, is doing as well as he, he is, or, you know, Gregory Ozuna is going to be such a, a dude to watch 
for Wayland Baptist as the season goes on also. So I, I think if they can hold up, you know, and really push themselves, win the games that they're supposed to win is going to be the big part for them uh, because they do play in a tough conference, you know, as, as if the t- conference top three had to be decided today, they would, they would be the fourth, you know, it, it would be Oklahoma city, USAO, Texas Wesleyan in a shuffling order. And then Wayland Baptist. And that's the way that it would be, you know, kind of for just the start of the season. Now, all of that can change in a few weeks, but that's the way that it's traditionally viewed. And so Brad Bass has got an opportunity there to really, really do something special. So I think he's got the offense to do it, man. I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting and, and they, they definitely have, have started off the year pretty well, you know, splitting with mid American Nazarene, who is a top 25 team in the NAI. I'm curious why I'm looking right now at the preseason poll. And now again, if, again, if you're listening, you're like, Oh, Jordan doesn't know anything about this stuff. <laughs> Here's what I do know. Lewis and Clark wins every year. So what happened? Why are they not in the top one anymore? <laughs> top five, whatever. <laughs> top one. Is the <laughs> NAI World Series still scheduled to be played in Idaho? Oh, yeah. With a uh, baby. Right. And so can you explain to me why Luis Vargas is not they, at Lewis and Clark they, State? <laughs> they just have not been as good in 2018 and 2019, honestly. They were kind of younger. They had seven players drafted in 2017, which is right, obviously true. very un... Was that the Brogdon draft? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was the Brogdon mm-hmm. draft. He's, he's a dude, despite... You know, he's, he's a dude. I really like him. Yeah, I mean, they just haven't been the same caliber of talent, to be honest with you. This year, though, they have a lot of D1 transfers. They got kids okay, from Washington. Okay, now we're talking. Washington. They're, getting, they're pissed. They're like, yes, this is ridiculous. They're, they're ready. Yeah. The quote, the questionnaire the coach said to us, it's going to be a good year for the Warriors. He's confident. Okay. So okay. They're back, baby. I like that. I mean, I, I'm just assuming that everybody hates them. Is that like I can't imagine? <laughs> like, there's really nothing else like this in baseball at any level, right? I can't like <laughs> I can't think of any other comparison. So, am I right about that? Does everybody hate? Yeah, them? yes. They're not the. I don't hate. We don't hate Lewis Clark State. We love Lewis Clark State. We hate the auto bid system. It's such bull right. crap. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. it's it's. So we hate that, and everyone hates that. And but yes, they are the bad boys of NAIA baseball. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah. I, I I I have to agree with with. Cody, you know, it's uh, the the national feeling on it is not positive on them. And right. really, it's not their fault. It, it's, the way that the NAI, it's the way that the national system has set up for them to be allowed because the same thing happens in soccer. And so, you know, when my university hosted the national soccer tournament, our soccer team got into the national tournament. You know, um, when, <laughs> right. when College of the Ozarks hosted the national basketball tournament, College of the Ozarks was in the national tournament. I mean, it is a huge recruiting tool. Right. And it, it just so happens that Lewiston, Idaho is such an amazing, you know, Harris Field is such an amazing place to watch a game. Uh, and yeah, I, it's I, awesome. It's an awesome setup. Like, I totally, yeah. I get all that. And oh, by the way, I'm not trying to start shit here. Like, I got no, like, I, I think it's hilarious. I love, but I think it's, I think it's also unique in some ways. Like, um, but it's just a bizarre thing. I just can't. Is it, no, an, it is, is it a permanent, like, is no, there any sort of, our last year? yeah, this is it. This is it, man. This is our last hurrah. They the auto bid is no more after twenty. Well, well, it goes to an automatic asterisk. opening round. But so, but so it it won't be in Idaho anymore. Or it'll still be. No, it, it still will. Okay. They host the venue, they, but they don't get the automatic punch to World Series. They got to compete in a regional. They would have to win like, the regional, which they haven't. No, not wow. I mean, they yeah, used to. Insane. 
when right. it wasn't in Lewiston, but yeah, no, they don't. They usually get the free pass. I see. Yeah. I see. And yeah. it's no, and that's that's a that's not a good system. Like well, it's not complicated, right? And it, it's better with them in it, to be honest with you. In in 2013, yeah. I, I went to the NAI World Series as you know as a player, and you know we were eliminated by by Lewis Clark on Memorial Day in front of a packed house. You know that was standing room only. Uh, and that every time we scored, you could hear a pin drop. And every time they scored, right. you know, I felt like the dugout was going to collapse. Of course. So, of course. you know, it's 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 a great place. Uh, Cody and I have both been to Lewiston. We love Lewiston. Uh, but we are excited to see what this new system is, is going to look like. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people around the nation are excited to see what this new system, you know, playoff system is going to look like. And at, at the end of the day, you know, our our job, we, Cody's Cody and I's job is to – try and do everything we can from a journalism perspective, you know, as trying to make this level the best brand of small college baseball that there is. And I think we had the closest thing to the division one NCAA baseball tournament in the NAI minus the fact that the host team gets to make the world series. Mm -hmm. But as far as a, a, as regional play goes and things like that, you know, at this level, we do have the closest thing to that D one tournament and it's created a lot in a lot of cases some of the best World Series matchups that we can offer, that we can have, and that's what we want at the end of the day. Is is we want the best teams in Lewiston. Uh, you know, I'm the real familiar with with the Sunshine State Conference in Division Two with like Tampa and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Lynn and all of that. You know, and and the way that Division Two and and I believe Division Three does it the same way is just so it's brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get you'll get regional tournaments that are better than the World Series. Yes. That is correct, which is, you know, sometimes cool, sometimes not. Um, and yeah, there's there's pros and cons of, of every system like that. And then, you know, D3's changed it up a, a couple of times. They added supers recently uh, and then now they're gone again because of COVID. I mean, I'm sure they'll be back at some point. But, yeah, no, it's interesting. No, I, I think uh, I think the fact that they can really kind of make it what they want to make it, you know, there's <laughs> obviously there's no NCAA inter- intervention. So you could really kind of kind of create something very very unique in that in that respect and i think yeah no the, the, the whole lewiston setup is uh is is definitely on the list of of things that i you know juco is also one the juco world series also an event that i'd love to go to but yeah in terms of baseball events i haven't gotten to go yet i mean that's those are the ones are all those top college ones are, are way up there for me you know for for yourself and it's it's rare that we kind of get somebody who can give us a perspective across mm-hmm. you know multiple levels of, of baseball especially a major league one uh, you know for for yourself what's something you know with these new major league rules that you're kind of looking forward to other mm. other than the the seven inning doubleheaders mm, mm. yeah i mean uh i guess we're not getting it this year but like i think the universal dh is the most no-brainer thing ever and i can't even fathom why anyone still wants to watch pitchers hit <laughs> like honestly like i feel like we peaked with bartolo homering and like we don't have we don't need anything else like it's fine like Downhill that was it it's not, not going to get better than that um so listen i know there's national league fans are like no i love so much fun watching noah Syndergaard like maybe hit a home run once every <laughs> 90 times like all right if you say so like i like i genuinely don't believe you um uh so that's that's an easy one um and then I don't know, like I the, the whole extra innings rule, like it, I'll admit it certainly did create intrigue. I can understand why players didn't like it. I also heard some players did like it. You know, we talked to a lot of players and uh, and it's it's 
I mean, you'd be surprised. Like, I, I think I, I learned this year that uh, it's not always exactly what you would what you would expect. I think we were all quick to to freak out about the the rule changes, but um, especially once it goes away in the postseason, like I'm fine. I'm fine with mixing it up a little bit and, and getting games over with a little bit quicker. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have any flaming hot takes. That's pretty much my, my strongest one is that the DH is a no brainer and, and it's, I I'm not looking forward to watching pitchers hit for another year. If it does indeed, uh, not come until next year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the, one of the ones I think for the national league, you, you want to be pulling for the, if you're a player in the NL, you want to be pulling for that DH spot because that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, more contract value for, for the guy hitting a ton of home runs. That's not getting, maybe doesn't have the yeah. greatest average. And and by the way, like, listen, obviously in college, there's all kinds of two-way players. And I love that. And it's not like I don't want two-way players. Like, that's awesome, right? But, like, the reality is they're not hitting in the minor leagues at all. In college, they're almost never hitting anymore, right? And so why are we suddenly making them hit when they're facing the best pitching in the world? It's it's absurd. Like, if if somehow we went back where pitchers were having to hit all the time all the way up, sure. But it's it's not it's not productive. It's not interesting. And the, whatever strategy around it, does not interest me any more than it would just putting 15 more good major league hitters that I could watch. That sounds way better. So. And, and as far as the postseason, you know, or the uh, extra innings rule kind of goes, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know. Cody's a Braves guy. Uh, he, he's from mm-hmm. the Atlanta mm-hmm. area. So he's a Braves mm-hmm. fan. I'm, I'm nice. from South Texas. So I'm a, I'm a Houston Astros guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just felt like every time the Astros were in the extra innings, I felt like the game was going 15. <laughs> even with the runner even, yeah the Astros played some crazy games that's true um, I mean, they, like three games into the season against the Dodgers they're yeah, you know dude. they're bringing and it out was, Odias out of the pen in like the 13th inning I'm like come on man well it was also like obviously with Houston this past year like you've got 50 rookies in the bullpen and it's like oh geez here we go and Noli Paredes <laughs> gonna try to send it to the 12th <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and it's fun I mean it was really impressive watching him and Taylor and Scrub and Javier and like I mean I thought like and I hate the Astros but like I was like this is <laughs> awesome like this I love these are the Astros that I'm rooting for you know I hate, obviously despise all the hitters we don't have to explain that but like the random rookies, like this is great. Like this is the kind of guys I can root for. So, yeah, no, I, no, I think yeah, they played a lot of those games for sure. They they did, and and that was that was my favorite part. You know, of of, of the season was seeing, you know, we we couldn't we can have a bullpen. Anoli Paredes was was incredible. He's awesome. I love him. I I, I really like a lot of those guys. Framber Valdez was, was oh my god, really good. I used to you know I used to work spring training uh, in West Palm Beach. Uh, for several years in in 2017 and in 2018, and you know, Framber Valdez would come into the game, and I'd be like, "Good, you know, this guy's got like a 99 spring training ERA. Like, we're, we're never, this never gonna, he's never gonna be anything big." And then all of a sudden, he comes out, and I'm like, "This guy's the pitcher of the year." You know, between it was between like him and Christian Javier. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, just I just felt like it, it was forever in a day anytime they played in that that extra innings rule, and it. I guess kind of as a purist, it it I don't really know what to think about it because in my experience for who I listen and watch baseball for, they didn't it didn't shorten the game any. I, I, Cody, I don't know about the about oh, the Braves. That's, that's the dumbest part. Yeah, no, I, I, I the notion that it's shortening the game that much is I don't really agree with that. So yeah, but sorry, I don't know. Do, do you have Cody? What do you think? I can't. I literally can't think of a single Braves one besides the postseason games. <laughs> Yeah, which was that was fun, which obviously right? were not there were no runners as we saw yeah. they could have used them desperately. But, um, 
I, I actually, I mean, it, it just kind of reminded me of like college softball. Like I always remember me like a college softball rule. So mm-hmm. I've seen it plenty of times before. Uh, it, it made it exciting. I, I didn't hate it, but I would prefer to just, you know, keep it, to just keep pitching. Because like you said, at the end of the day, how quickly did it end literally in 10? I, would, I don't know the numbers on it, but I would imagine not as quickly as they imagined. So I don't know, man. I, I'm fine with the rule, honestly. Man, now I'm missing softball, to be honest. <laughs> God, well, you know, D1 softball is the best. All right, anyway, continue. No, it is. It is. My, my sister and my father go up to Oklahoma City. and. and oh, my uh, God. I'm so jealous. Dude, seriously, like, I would rather watch that than Omaha. There's a freaking hot take for you. <laughs> you want you want some we spice? Go. We wanted something, yeah. We you want, want spice. Something. I no joke. The women's college world series has consistently been more exciting than Omaha, in well, my experience. It, it's, there it is. Really, just jam packed full of talent, and then every now and then you'll get this that one random small college that'll you know small D one school see, that'll get there. Yeah, but see, that's that's to me that's why I actually like. I mean, it, yeah, everyone likes a, a Cinderella, like. Sure, it's cool to see to root for the team that you didn't expect to be there. But see, what I think is great about Oklahoma City is that you pretty much know you are watching the best freaking softball players yep. essentially in the world. Yeah, maybe it's a little stretch, but like basically some of the best softball you are ever going to see is being played on those fields because the best teams always make it. And like that is comforting because I don't feel like I'm missing out usually. It's just like, oh, shit, like these are the best of the best of the best. So that's what I do like about it as much as you like a Cinderella story too. No, yeah, and that's the cool thing. I, w- I will tell you, uh, my, my father and my sister go every year. Uh, my, my father's a UT grad. So uh, they went the first year that they ever went, they did not know where they were buying the tickets. And they went to the just the championship series. So they had tickets for all three games of the championship series. And so the first night, I think it was UCLA and Oklahoma. And the first night they were there, they sat, their tickets were right in the middle of the Oklahoma section. No, man. And my father was absolutely miserable. And, and Cody knows my, my father's distaste for, for OU, but uh, they had a lot more fun with, with UCLA. And, and it is, I mean, there's a reason why they go every year. There's a reason why, why they love going up there and, and watching that and it is it is incredible uh just the softball level is is incredible you know but from from an nai standpoint you know we're gonna have to get you out to lewiston at at some point and and really just kind of take all of that in because that is especially maybe even this year i i know covid's tough and, and everything like that but i mean to go to idaho when lc has that automatic bid being the last year and using the regional format that, that we currently have, I mean, it's it's really and Cody, correct me if I'm wrong here. One of, I think, our best chances to get a a World Series with the best teams in the nation in there. Yeah, I man, I think it's going to be a loaded field this year because, like I said, the last couple of years, LC was not a top ten team in the country, but right. they were playing in the World Series this year. I think they're closer to a top five team in the country. So yeah, I think the field's going to be loaded this year. I'm really looking forward to it. I think because of COVID and, you know, everyone's able to come back, it honestly makes college baseball better, in my opinion, mm-hmm. at least at the NAI level, for sure at the NAI level, I feel. So I'm looking forward to this season, man. I think it's going to be great. And uh, like, we can't say enough about Lewiston. Like, Lewiston, Idaho is great. Like, we rag on the auto bid and everything like that. Lewiston, Idaho, I really recommend it. It's, I love it. Honestly, it's like the city, like, you don't think, like, oh, okay, Lewiston, Idaho, really, bro. But, like, when I went there, I was literally blown away. Like my mouth dropped when I first came down and saw the valley. Yeah, I was blown away, Ben. I really highly recommend you check it out. 
I, I mean, you're selling it well. Trust me. That's there. There are a lot of things that I'm, I'm missing and, and would like to go to this year. So, Lewiston's pro. I mean, that's probably a little ambitious for me to get out there this year. I, I know at the beginning you said you kind of had maybe some more questions for us, and I know we've talked a lot about about Luis and and mm-hmm. you know, but yourself as somebody who is a co-host of the podcast about D3 baseball, and then of mm-hmm. course, you know, a co-host of Baseball Barbecue mm-hmm. podcast on the Ringer, you know, with the Ringer. Uh, what you know what's kind of piqued your interest as you kind of looked i know we talked a little bit uh, uh before cody jumped on about you know some of the games around the nation things like that but really you know is there anything about this level of baseball that's just kind of jumped out to you sure well honestly like more big picture just for like this whole college baseball season uh not to take away from like what luis has done but like honestly i mean it's hard to imagine anyone doing what, what luis has done in the first eight games but there will be a lot of older players playing college baseball this year. And especially at the smaller levels, whether that's, you know, a 21-year-old playing Juco ball or a 23-year-old playing D3 ball or NAI ball, like I think we could see some bananas numbers. And uh, that is something I'm very much uh, looking forward to. And I listen, I just hope as many uh, kids get to get to play you know um i think there's a safe and responsible way to do it and it's important that that schools and programs are, are taking those precautions and i know that there's a huge variance in the extent to which um schools are being able to play or, or moving forward uh you know depending on the state that they live um but you know i i i hope and, and believe that there's a way to do it if if, if schools are safe and I, I hope that these kids get to have because it's just it was just crushing to watch last season like seniors that that had their season cut short last year like it was it was so heartbreaking at the time and we know they got that eligibility back but mm-hmm. i really hope that they can because because i think it was so bad right when it went all went down last year and then we found out in the summer right they were going to get eligibility it was like great okay well great next season will be all normal like we're clearly still not normal right you know the pandemic's not gotten any better if it's even worse than it was a few months ago and so um i just hope these these kids get to play it's it's really that simple and and i'm gonna you know embrace it and and enjoy it and savor it as much as I, I ever have before, because uh, I sure did, as I'm sure you guys did, uh, sure did miss it last uh, last April, May, and June. Absolutely. I mean, from from our perspective, um, it was kind of literally like let's we need to do an emergency session of the show, and mm-hmm. we need to uh, put out a periscope or do a video, or and you know just kind of as as the end of the year went along and it, it just kind of jumped up and surprised us to the point to where we were reporting one day on what conferences were still playing, what conferences were suspended indefinitely, what conferences were good, bad, ugly, you know, and then all of a sudden it just went straight to we're done. Nothing. No we're done. Yep. yep. Pack it up. We're good yep. to go. Um, we yeah, are. You know, it's funny. I just wanted to say, you mentioned that I was just going back through prepping for this T3 season, some of the spreadsheets I was working on, you know, tracking, like you said, right? Like, oh, who's canceled? Who's still playing? Who's this? It all looks so silly, right? Because there was like that window of a week where we were like, oh, maybe so-and-so will keep playing. Oh, maybe so-and-so will play through. It's like, what? We were, how <laughs> stupid were we? Like, are you crazy? Like, what? <laughs> why do we think any of these schools are going to keep playing? Like, I was like marking off very meticulously, like, all right, it looks like they still are planning on going. It's like, who cares? What? You're all done. It's, it's not happening. <laughs> So, yeah, I just hope, you know, as many, many teams as possible can can make it out and play the season. Absolutely. You know, that's that's exactly what what we're hoping for. Uh, Cody and I have have each been out, you know, already to, to see a game. Uh, you know, 
I, I got to be in San Antonio last weekend uh, when Our Lady of Lake took on Central Methodist, and that was the first baseball game I got to see in person in a year. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you know, and it was great. Uh, they they allowed me – I was so thankful. To, shout out to Our Lady of the Lake in San Antonio, Texas, for allowing me to go because they don't allow fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they let me cover the game as as media. You know, Cody awesome. covers uh, – was in Gwinnett watching one of the top five teams in the nation, Georgia Gwinnett, play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be doing this weekend. So, you know, we're, we're definitely blessed in that aspect that uh, we get to watch some some baseball at some points this year. Cody will get to do it more than I do because – the closest NAI program to me is 250 miles, and uh, I will gladly make that drive up and back all day long. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things that we're we just I wanted to do it so bad that that because baseball was back, and so we're we're excited that as far as in, in the NAI goes, this is basically week three for us. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're we're thrilled, man. If if you want to keep you know going on that Luis train, uh, you know it's going to be going all season long, and and I'm excited to see him against Colton Williams, who for the last three years has been the best pitcher at the NAI level, 21 and 0 record, you know, uh, ERA in the low ones. It, it has just been a monster at this level to see him against Oklahoma city who, you know, has been a, is a blue chip program at the NAI level. Most wins in college baseball across all levels since 2001. Uh, and then, you know, there's, there's just going to be some really good battles, really good opportunities. So I'm, I'm excited about it, man. And and you are more than welcome to, to keep on with us, uh, keep rolling with us here at NAI ball. You know, every time, uh, Luis does something, something big, I know that those are the games in that bets you'll be, you'll be keeping an eye on. I trust me, man. I'm, I, he, he has my attention is very, <laughs> is very clear. And as someone who follows D3 baseball, I'm no stranger to tuning in to pre- extremely suboptimal live feeds uh, of baseball games. That does not deter me, right? You know, if you're watching, oh, I get this SEC network, fancy, whoa, look at all our camera angles. Like, okay, listen, I don't care about that. Like, show me, as long as I can see the batter and the pitcher, I don't even need, I don't even need all four bases, you know? Like, I'm there. <laughs> I, I'm, you, you guys yeah. know. You guys know. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's NAI, baby, right there. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You you get every possible level of <laughs> of, uh, of quality of camera. Um, is that, is so, that a hit? Did it land? Like, is that, that a hit? Who knows? Oh, <laughs> it looks like he's still rounding the bases. I guess it was a home run. All right, sounds good. So, yeah, no, listen, that's that's all part of the game. And uh, that's why we love it, man. And, 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 uh, and honestly, like the, the the cryptic element of it is is part of the fun for me, because like it took however long for everyone, me and Adam Jones to notice, right? Because yeah. like who's following this stuff? But you guys do a great job, and uh, I appreciate you guys inviting me on uh, to talk about this stuff. And 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 you know when Luis hits his one hundredth home run in April, uh, be sure to invite me back, and I'll I'll, I'll celebrate accordingly. If he wins, and and I think Cody will be fine with this. If if Luis, you know, continues his dominance and wins National Player of the Year, um, we can go ahead and say that we'll have Jordan back on to uh, present the award to him. Oh, it'd um, be a legit honor! Wow, he's starstruck. <laughs> well, you know what, Jordan, man, uh, we we really appreciate you jumping on with us, and we'll let you get going and about your day. But uh, Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue has been our guest. 
And we are absolutely thrilled that he was with us here. Don't forget to follow them on Twitter at Cespedes Barbecue on Twitter. They've got 110,000 followers growing each and every day. They, they just, I mean, you had a tweet about each row this morning. That was just fantastic stuff. Um, you know, I think it was an each row, each row walk off on, on Mariano Rivera, which mm-hmm. anytime the Yankees get walked off on, I'm going to go ahead and, and like that. Uh, you know, you host the co-host the podcast about D3 baseball available where you get your podcasts. And then of course their day job, as he said, baseball barbecue podcast with the ringer stuff that y'all need to be listening to stuff that you need to be checking in on as now Jordan Schusterman, a friend of the program and a friend to the level. You're an NAI made guy now, Jordan. Congratulations. An honor and a privilege. Thank you, gentlemen. This is Bill Brown of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to the NAIA Ball Podcast with hosts Robbie Gutierrez and Cody Butler. Now, back to the show. And welcome on back, ladies and gentlemen, to the NAIA Ball Podcast. Robbie Gutierrez, your host here with you, Cody Butler, with me as always. Ain't no way that we would rather do it here. A huge thanks to the guys over at Cespedes Family Barbecue and Jordan Schusterman for joining us on the Silverback Sports Hotline. Definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate them and taking some time out of their day to talk NAI baseball as well as Major League Baseball with us here. Cody, NAI ball hitter and pitcher of the week. We definitely have a first on the show. We have two hitters of the week this week. We'll start things off with Tennessee Wesleyan. Alex Flock, he had five home runs and 10 RBIs in nine at-bats. On top of that, Benedictine shortstop Daryl Myers is also our NAI ball hitter of the week. He was 12 and four, 12 for 14 overall. Started the season an astounding 12 for 12, 11 runs, five doubles, a home run, eight RBIs. Absolutely incredible start for both Alex Flock and Benedictine shortstop Daryl Myers. And then our pitcher of the week is Kaiser University. Starter Pablo Arevalo, nine innings pitch, five hits, no walks, 10 strikeouts, no runs, no earned against Ave. A big week for NAI baseball, Cody, and these were some of the biggest performances. Myers is a guy with his teammate Slayton that's gotten invited to a, a summer league out there after the season. So, I mean, he's going to be evaluated by professional scouts. He's super talented. I remember seeing Flock in person at the Lewiston World Series back in 2019. He had a huge at-bat against St. Thomas in that 2-0 game. He had a 10-pitch at-bat. It ended up being a walk, but it was just crucial at-bats. First time I remember watching him in person. Big-time player, man. Big-time performances. You get five home runs and nine at-bats, you're probably going to win this award every week. And Arevalo, super talented guy, had an immaculate inning, his final inning in the Northwoods over the summer. Big-time player who has a big-time series coming up this week. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's definitely – Kaiser and St. Thomas is, is definitely something to keep an eye on and, and watch – uh flock absolutely incredible five home runs nine at bats uh 10 rbis 10 runs driven in by him is just astounding as well but daryl Myers, i mean to be totally honest with you i've been glued to the television every time daryl myers comes up to bat benedictine gets their puts their games on the nai network app and i'm anytime he comes up to bat i'm keeping up with dak stats if he looks like he's going to bat in the next inning i've got that game on no matter what because for him to start 12 for 14 and just start the season with 12 straight hits. I mean, it's incredible. It's nothing short of, of incredible. And he is going to, you know, 
be in the uh, MLB. I want to say it's the MLB Draft League, and, and it's going to be really a great experience. We're hoping to get multiple NAI players into that league, uh, which used to be you know pretty much the New York Penn League for Major League Baseball. So I definitely think that it'll be something really, really good. I think that it could be uh, a good opportunity. I mean, just an absolute hot start for him at, at Benedictine in Kansas. So really, really impressed. We have a second interview to talk about here on the NAI Ball podcast. Joining us all the way from Arizona is Ben U. Mesa, head baseball coach Brian McCabe, who will join us now via the Silverback Sports Hotline. Joining us now on the NAI Ball podcast all the way from Benedictine University at Mesa in Arizona is the head man himself in his third season, Coach Brian McCabe. Coach McCabe, thank you for taking some time out of your day joining Cody and me here on the NAI Ball podcast. Absolute joy to have you right now. Uh, 76 and 35, you know, so far in your career at uh, Ben Mesa or, or just overall for you. What's that like for you being one of a, a young head coach in the nation currently, you know, 29, I want to say, and be leading a team. And just a few years ago, you know, two years ago, you had a 40 win season. So what's that been like for you as, as a young coach, not just in the NAI, but uh, in college baseball? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, Robbie and Cody, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, you, you've done a fabulous job these past few years in growing the game and growing our level. So really excited to be on with you guys and yeah to answer your question it's uh first off taking over a program a new program uh, after kelly stamet who did a great job in getting us going uh it was it was challenging definitely being so young and you know first time uh being a head coach obviously a few years as an assistant but uh my credit goes to you know my coaching staff goes to the guys because it's it's definitely not a one-man show. As, as you guys know, there's so many people that work uh, to make this thing go. And, you know, we're just looking to keep this thing building. And as a young guy, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun because we, we've got a good dynamic on the team. I'm, I'm 29 years old. It's, you know, uh, it's pretty hard for me to come in and act like a, a father figure to these guys. So it's, it's really just a very mature program and the guys get after it and, and we love where we're at. Coach, I kind of want to start at at 2019 with you. And and first and foremost, you know, one of the things that we enjoy the most about you is you are an AI lifer, and we'll get into that a little later. But 2019, your first year as a head coach, you go 44 and 13, 24 and 6 in the Cal Pack. Uh, you know, three of those losses were to a very good in the Cal Pack. Three of those 13 losses and six losses in conference were to a very good Antelope Valley team. And you just miss out on the playoffs. And one of the things that we talk about every single year on this show is how if you leave things up to chance sometimes in the NAI with the amount of automatic bids that are given to the postseason tournament, you're you're leaving yourself susceptible to just really tough things to happen because at 44 and 13 to miss the national tournament was uh, I'm sure a really tough blow for y'all. Uh, especially in your first year as, as a head baseball coach, you were having a really good season uh, last year, but, but I mean, 44 and 13 in 2019 had to have been really hard to, to, to swallow that pill. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. You know, we, we focus and you're, you're in that grind for so long and to have the success we did multiple all Americans uh, it was definitely tough, but at the end of the day, you know, like I told the guys, we've got to take care of our business in that conference tournament. 
and at the end of the day that that's what left us out so it, it was definitely challenging we we felt like we put a good case to uh be there but uh you know i think we've learned from the past and we we've got quite a few guys uh from that 2019 uh team still hanging around here still having a huge impact on our program and at the end of the day we we kind of hope that 2019 season is that stepping stone uh, that gets our program to the next level and hopefully a year from now, two years from now, we can look back on it and enjoy it a little bit more, uh, knowing that we've, you know, cleared cleared one of those hurdles that's been missing in our program's uh, short history. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough, you know, seeing seeing the guys just like all the teams do across the country having, you know, watching that selection show, seeing how it's, uh, you know, going down and uh, it, it was tough, but at the end of the day, we, we felt like uh, we put a good case together and, you know, I think that day I told them all they took away was a bus trip from us, you know, one more weekend to be together and we would have loved to play more. But at the end of the day, we, you know, we win one of those games in the conference tournament and I think we're in. So it's it's definitely a learning uh, lesson for sure. Coach, how did guys like Ivan Torres and Sean Barrowdale and Richardson, how did they like set the bar for your first year, obviously at BNU and for these players in 2021? I mean, you look at Aaron Vernon, a guy who's been with you now for a couple of years uh, you know, he was, I'm assuming, the number two behind Torres, who was just incredible in 2019. Like, how did those guys really just lead the way for your program? I can't say enough about those guys. When when you're a college recruit, uh, pretty good recruits, and, you know, you go from uh, thinking you're playing for a former big league uh, ma- uh, player, uh, and then, you know, a couple weeks into the season, uh, Coach Danette took another opportunity, and here you're stuck with a 27-year-old. So, uh, that that could go many different ways. And to those guys' credit, they just put their heads down. They understood, hey, you know, this is my last season uh, collegiately. And they they just uh, they became great leaders. Uh, and obviously, you know, Ivan being a two-time All-American, uh, Sean having the success he did with us, Kelby, you know, breaking the school record over 100 hits in a single season. Uh, it, was, it was pretty remarkable what they did on the field. But it was a it was a really fun group. They were a lot of guys that were some JUCO teammates over at Mesa Community College, and just a lot of guys who have known each other uh, from this you know kind of this Phoenix area baseball bubble we've got going. So it was it was a ton of fun, and yeah, it's it's all about that leadership. Nothing you know. I always tell the guys as as coach of the year that year, nobody's getting high, uh, named coach of the year if uh, if we're going ten and forty. So it's a it's a direct reflection on you know how they went about their business at the beginning of the school year. And then carried that uh, through the you know rest of the spring, coach. You know you've had a lot of success in your career as a pitching coach at Phoenix College. Seventy six and thirty five was was your record just there. Currently at Benu, seventy one and twenty one, including this year. I mean, you're on track to be much better than than what I originally credited you for. What's that been like? I mean, because being in in the NAI, we're, we're fortunate to get coaches of of all ranges. We've got young coaches. We've got uh, older coaches. I mean, we were talking about this before off air. You're not the youngest coach in the NAI right now, but to have that success, to be so close in your third year to 100 career wins already, and to have such a great record like that, I mean, it's it's really got to be something incredible. What do you? Who do you credit for your success? And then at the same time, what have you credited? for being able to get you to this point in your career where you've won 70 game, 70 plus games and, and lost less than 25. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I grew up in a high school basketball locker room. My dad was a head coach, athletic director, and, you know, sports have always just been a part of my identity. And, you know, that that's where it started very early. 
uh, seeing what Dan Spain did, you know, firsthand at Clark when I was a player and, you know, helping him uh, coach my first couple of years. Uh, it's just seeing, seeing really good examples of how to do things right. I always attribute, you know, my high school football coach, Coach Rick Aaron, uh, just so many people. You know, nobody does this alone, and I've, I've learned the do's and don'ts from a lot of different guys uh, throughout this, uh, you know, past 20, 25 years. Uh, so that that's, you know, a lot of where I learned things from. And obviously, Kelly Stinnett, Kevin Kimball at Phoenix College. Uh, I've, I've been around a lot of great people. And, you know, that's that's first and foremost. And then after that, I would say, you know, growing up in small Illinois, uh, recruiting to Mesa, Arizona, it's a February day and it's about 65 degrees right now. Uh, I think that helps a lot of guys uh, make their decisions. So the first thing, you know, in my opinion, you have to do at college athletics is recruit. So uh, I think that's something we've had a lot of success with and something I've found a lot of, you know, joy in is just getting out there, meeting all these new people, coaches, players uh, from different different parts of the country. You'll see our roster is a, it's a very diverse team with, you know, 15 to 20 states, multiple countries uh, included in there. So I think, you know, just a lot of those factors. And at the end of the day, we've had success where we are because of our coaching staff and our, our players, our training staff, just a really good support system. And uh, it starts with the assistant coaches. So I've, I've always put myself around a lot of good people. And they're definitely the reason that, you know, this train continues to roll and hopefully, you know, continues to roll onward and upward. Well, Coach, you mentioned it in passing. You're an NAIA-made guy yourself. You pitched four years in the NAIA at Clark. I mean, just talk to us a little bit about your time at Clark and, you know, how you just enjoyed being an NAIA player. I loved it. I loved it. I Truthfully, I was one of those guys that had no idea what NAI was uh, until about four months before I stepped on campus in August. Uh, didn't have a clue what it was. I kind of grew up in a D3, obviously, you know, about Division ones, but grew up in that D3 bubble, ton of small private schools. Uh, and I, I stepped foot on Clark, uh, Clark's campus in August of 09. And uh, it really, you know, that place is very special to my heart. It's, it's a fantastic school. And the baseball itself just meeting so many guys. Like I said, I was from a very small town and, you know, going to school, you're meeting uh, students from all over the world, all over the country. Uh, Coach Harris, you know, at the beginning of my career was great, taught me a lot. He's, uh, he's doing still good things in the coaching world. And then uh, Dan Spain taking over. Uh, it, it helped me a lot just to have that example. You know, what does a, uh, I don't know what age Dan was when he took over, 25, 26 maybe. Uh, just having that example of how, how you create those relationships. And uh, like I said, not needing to be that, you know, authoritarian figure. And um, a lot of a lot of those things that, you know, I've seen other coaches do, and a lot of them have success with it. But it's all about building our own style and, and those kind of things. So, um, but no, back back to playing, it was just, it was a great opportunity. I, I knew very quickly I was not a professional baseball player. Uh, that's just, you know, the reality of it. So I, I really focused on uh, learning, you know, from a lot of our assistant coaches and just really enjoying the game, uh, not putting too much pressure on myself. So I had a great experience. I go back to that place all the time. Uh, definitely, you know, best, best four years uh, for sure. It, it's a ton of fun. And that's, that's what I always tell my guys. Uh, really enjoy the game because uh, my groomsmen at my wedding a few years ago, they were, they were all college baseball teammates. So it's, it's uh, something that really grows with you and it's, it's a unique culture that we have. And um, it's definitely a lot of fun to be an NAI baseball player for sure. So in case you're just joining us, Brian McCabe, head baseball coach at Benue Mesa in Arizona on us here with the NAI ball podcast brought to you by Silverback Sports. 
Coach, let's go through 2021 right now. Uh, you're five and one currently on the season. You've got two pretty big wins uh, against Westmont. You sweep Westmont in a doubleheader. Uh, you've got wins over Taylor, San Diego Christian. So definitely some some good wins on the season already. A win over Midland out of Nebraska. Uh, take me through that Westmont doubleheader. I know you hit a couple of home runs late in the game uh, in game number one. And then game number two, you uh, scored five runs in the sixth and then a huge three-run bomb late in the game uh, to sweep them. So take me through that that doubleheader and kind of uh, how those happened. First off, credit to uh, Coach Ruiz. He he does a great job out at Westmont. Uh, that was the first time we've ever been out there, and it's definitely a place uh, that you all should see. It's a, it's a fantastic venue, great campus. So just, just showing up to a place like that on a Saturday afternoon to play baseball, uh, doesn't get much better than that. But uh, but yeah, we, we really played well. You know, I think it's kind of the first day we put uh, kind of all three phases of our, our team together, uh, just getting things going on the mound and the plate and on defense. But a lot of guys stepped up. You know, we had some guys down. It was the third day of a, of a road trip. And, you know, uh, innings are to be had in those first two games. And we had a lot of guys come in, step up uh, on the mound. And then, of course, uh, those late home runs, like you mentioned. I mean, Casey Lederman coming in. Uh, well, against a new pitcher, they put him in and he just had a great at bat and, you know, doing the things he's done since I've known him. You know, I mentioned I've known him since my days at Phoenix College uh, back in August of 2015. Uh, so it's it's been a long time, you know, uh, creating those relationships and just it's awesome seeing uh, the work that these guys have uh, put in, not only in, you know, uh, the past few years, but obviously this past year has been rough for everybody and just just seeing both teams out there playing baseball, I think you can just see that kind of gen, uh, genuine fun going on. And it's it's a lot of fun to be a part of. And walking away with two wins, uh, seven-hour road trip, getting home at 3.30 in the morning, it feels a lot better uh, taking two wins there for sure. Coach, a couple of players to just stand out that have been with you for a while, like since your time there have been you. Uh, right fielder Travis Hunt, starting pitcher Aaron Vernon. They both jump off the page. They both have great numbers. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about what makes them special. Yeah, I'll start with Travis. Travis has been day one uh, part of this program. This is year five for him, so he'll be out here graduating, uh, you know, entering and hopefully playing professional baseball soon. But I, I can't say enough about Travis. He came in as a, a wiry, tall, skinny freshman, and he's really put himself uh, physically in a position to uh, to really just – he dominates, and, and that's just a flat-out fact. He uh, was co-freshman of the year. I don't think that's truthfully something a lot of uh, us coaches, even players, expected at the time. And I think that kind of, you know, lit a fire under his butt, and he kind of realized what he's capable of. And he's definitely put that to the to the test of these past few years. So he's he's had some injury, uh, you know, hardships, and you know, going through an appendectomy in the middle of a season, and you know, a few of those things. And last year he was just on fire, and obviously everyone. Uh, got cut short so it, it's awesome to have him back being the leader that he is and he's off to another great start and then Aaron Vernon just you know kind of the same thing you know he joined us three years ago he's kind of part of that group where you know you commit to a uh, a major league baseball player and then here's a 27 year old taking over the program so uh, nothing but credit to him for how he's handled himself and kind of the same with Travis he really came in a uh, tall skinny guy as, as a junior he was a he was a really successful pitcher at Cochise College uh, down in southern Arizona and he came to us completely changed his body just he probably gained 20 pounds of muscle over his uh, between his junior and senior years and he's you know he's made all the difference in the world as well so when when the team sees guys like that who 
not only are talented, but they, they really put themselves in position to have very successful years and careers. I think it really feels, you know, our younger guys, our newer guys coming in to see that, hey, you know, uh, we are going to reward that hard work ethic and a lot of guys, you know, uh, making huge leaps from, say, their first year to their third year, fourth year. Uh, it's just really cool to see is that development and not just kind of one-year turnarounds like uh, like we've experienced in the past. Coach, kind of take me through, you know, your your scheduling right now. I know uh, that's kind of been a grind for you all because there's two teams in your area that you can't really play. So I'm sure that makes it tougher. And then at the same time, the California Pacific Conference, the Cal Pack, separating from the Cascade and only seven teams uh, playing baseball currently at the moment this year in that. So, we're you know, I know scheduling has been tough because one, there's a limited amount of teams out West and then two, half of them are in your conference. And then three, some of them aren't playing baseball this year. It is tough. Yeah. The West coast, obviously a lot more spread out, uh, you know, back in the Midwest, you take those four or five hour road trips and you can see 15, 20 teams. So uh, it's, it's definitely been difficult. And it was, it was tough because if you, if you see our early uh, season schedule here, we had things lined up to have, you know, a very tough schedule, many ranked teams, and then obviously playing the, the teams that are in our area that have had some good success. So, yeah, it's, we, we've lost quite a few, but we're working to get those back. And, you know, like everybody, we're in a tough position. You know, we see we've got this coach's thread where uh, guys are just constantly looking for games. So it's it's definitely been a challenge. But at the end of the day, uh, I feel pretty good about where we're going to be at compared to when I was in the Midwest. You know, I think we'd be happy if we played 40 games. Uh, just due to weather and due to some of those factors. And obviously we got, got some rain here last uh, last week in Arizona, which was pretty unusual, which knocked out a couple that we were able to play. Uh, so, yeah, there's just a lot of factors. And, you know, I, I've told our guys we just have to be ready for the next day. So you never know what's going to happen. And we obviously know it happened last year, and you just got to enjoy every day and, you know, play play the game like it's your last one because for some guys, you know, whether it be – uh, you know, COVID or injury or whatever the case is, it, it could be the last day on the field. So that that's really the approach we've taken. Uh, just be lucky to be out there, be lucky to be with the guys. And, you know, that's that's really what we've focused on this year. Now, Coach, unfortunately, this game will have taken place by the time this releases. But a big day for you today, uh, you get to play Lewis Clark State, the the name brand in the NAIA. Uh, just talk to us kind of about what that's like for your guys. I mean, are you all amped up? Does it feel like a little bit bigger than it should be? Like, uh, just talk to us about playing Lewis Clark State, who's obviously an incredible program, and they are smashing the baseball to start the year. Very excited, very excited. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really fun day. Uh, obviously, I've I've been in the NAI for uh, 11, 12 years now, and I've yet to see Lewis Clark State. So it, it's going to be exciting for me, but exciting for the guys. We we just look at it as another challenge. Uh, we you know as as a program, we still feel like there's a lot to prove. Uh, you know, I feel like we've gotten a good. Uh, stranglehold of kind of uh, what people expect from us out on the West Coast. But I think, you know, this is one of those games where, if, you know, if people see the final score either way, they're going to raise their eyebrows because uh, LC State's involved. So uh, big credit to them, big credit to Jake. Uh, he, he's done a great job, you know, uh, taking over the program again. And, you know, they're they're rolling this year. Uh, we saw them a little bit uh, in California this past weekend. They were playing a game after us. And I mean, just as you'd expect, big physical team that's that's going to come out there and, and play hard. So we're really looking forward to seeing their style and, you know, see how that matches up with us. But as always, we're excited for the challenge. And, you know, we uh, we want to play postseason baseball and we want to play national postseason baseball. And eventually that's going to mean 
uh, playing at schools like Westmont, hosting teams like Lewis Clark State, and hopefully eventually uh, seeing them, you know, up in Lewiston. That's the goal, Coach. I mean, that's that's everybody's, you know, want and will is to get that game at Harris Field. And uh, as somebody who, you know, we were in we were in college at the same time, and as somebody who saw Lewis Clark State on Memorial Day in 2013, it, it was it was a lot of fun. The end result for myself wasn't fun, but overall it was a lot of fun. But you know, it, it's one of those things that you you do have some really good wins already in a young season under your belt. Uh, I think if anybody hearing this, I'm sure if they want to reach out to you, you know, you'll be willing to try and schedule some games uh, for the year. You know, but but before we let you go, what is your advice for maybe the the GA or the you know, the young head coach or the player right now who kind of like myself has gotten to this level and kind of seeing there is no next step for me. If I want to continue in baseball, it's going to be either in journalism or in coaching. And I, you know, I got to do the coaching thing at, at Kaiser with Jeremy Kennedy and it was the time of my life. What is that advice for that young coach who's going to struggle for a little bit and, and trying to find his way to a head job. And, and I know you've got some incredible assistant coaches, uh, knowing two of them, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you on them, but you know, you've, you've got some really good assistant coaches as well as, you know, you've done an incredible job yourself already with 70 plus wins, you know, just a few games into your third season. What's that advice for that, that player or that young GA that wants to be in your shoes eventually? I would say just just keep doing it. It's uh, that's pretty simple advice. But at the end of the day, you know, I moved from Iowa to Arizona, and within two or three years, I was I was a head coach. So uh, you really never know when that opportunity is going to come. But if you put yourself in a good position and uh, just show people your work ethic, I think that opportunity is going to come a lot quicker than you realize. Uh, there's there's a lot of programs popping up, and obviously great coaches all over the place. Uh, and I would just say, you know, surround, like I've said, you know, a lot today, surround yourself with good people uh, and, you know, go go into a good program with uh, with some good, you know, stability and uh, guys that are doing things the right way. And, you know, I, you know, working 40 hours a week in admissions, going out on Friday nights, Saturdays, Sundays, working camps and uh, in the Arizona summers, trying to, uh, you know, do box scores for these tournaments and your phone's melting. Uh, I would, I would say just keep doing it. There's, there's a lot to be, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge to be had in this game. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's great being a head coach. Now I get to focus a lot on, uh, what matters as far as our program's concerned. Uh, but those days are, uh, a lot of fun when you're, when you're working your butt off and you're meeting all these other coaches who are in the same position and you're kind of in that camp grind where it's day after day after day. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then I think once you do get to that, uh, top spot and, you know, for me, there's, there's never quite that top spot. It's always, you know, striving for more and how can we do more with what we're doing. Uh, but if, if you really focus on just, just getting after it every single day, I think a lot of guys, um, they have a lot more fun with what they're doing and, you know, success is great, but at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't enjoying it. And, and that's, that's the most important thing for me and for our program is just getting out there and enjoying what we're doing. Uh, because we've all been stuck in whether it's jobs or teams that, aren't quite having fun because we're just locked in on whether it be success or locked in on the results. Uh, that's, that's something we kind of preach against is just, you know, focus on being a good teammate, being a good friend to those guys 
And I think if we, if we do that as coaches, I think we put ourselves in a better position instead of constantly looking towards uh, whether it's that next job or that next location or just kind of those things. So I would say, again, just, just stay after the grind and um, you never know when it's going to happen. I, I would have told you, I would have called you a liar if I would have told you I was a head coach at 27 and doing this interview at 29, getting close to a hundred wins. So it's uh, it's all about being at the right place at the right time. And the more you do to put yourself in that position, uh, the better off you'll be definitely. Well, coach, we're definitely thankful that you could join us today and, and thankful that you were able to jump on this with us. You know, um, we're, we're really blessed in the NAI to have a, such a wide range of, of great coaches, and we're glad that you were able to to jump on this with us. So Brian McCabe, head baseball coach over at Benue Mesa in Arizona, has been our guest here on the NAI Ball Podcast. Coach from Cody and I, thank you, thank you, thank you a ton. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Keep doing a great job. This is Adrian Dinkle, head baseball coach at Southeastern University, and you're listening to the NAI Ball Podcast with Cody Butler and Robbie Gutierrez. And welcome on back, ladies and gentlemen, to the NAI Ball Podcast. Robbie Gutierrez and Cody Butler here with you, as always. Thank you again to our two interviews this week. Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue, which you need to be following them, at Cespedes Barbecue on Twitter. And then, of course, Benedictine University Mesa head baseball coach Brian McCabe for joining us as well. Games and series that you need to be watching, or at least you need to be keeping on your radar, because Cody, one of the things we're going to talk about here is there is going to be some weather this week for almost the entire nation to the point to where I've told you already that there is a good possibility that we're only playing baseball this weekend out west and in deep south Florida. Hope International will take on Ben Mesa and St. Catherine. That'll be a great series and game to watch this weekend. As of right now, Mobile is supposed to take on Talladega. LSUS will take on Loyola. Unfortunately, one of the ones I was really excited to see, Oklahoma City, Central Methodist, and Bellevue has already been canceled. Uh, Brian will take on Huntington and Thomas Moore. Arizona Christian will take on Lewis Clark State, as we talked about earlier. Our Lady of the Lake versus Tabor. Martin Methodist takes on IU Southeast. And then Mid-America Christian versus Bethany. It's going to be really tough to get these games in, Cody. We already saw OCU and Central Methodist, as well as uh, playing Bellevue in that uh, three-way there, get canceled because of weather. And I just have a really bad feeling with this really cold weather coming in. We're going to see a, a, quite a few more games get get booted. Yeah, man, it's super unfortunate. It's not looking good down here in the South, so I don't know. Games are already getting canceled, as we know. Uh, I out of the list, you know, I'm hoping Arizona Christian and LC play. Those are two, like I said, I think those two teams are really good. And I just think that that'll be a pretty good matchup. So hopefully weather out west stays okay. Yeah, I mean, if, if y'all down in there down there in Georgia are gonna be are gonna be really cold, you can, you know, it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. And for myself, I, I want to say down here in deep South Texas, I mean, literally on the US Mexico border, our high is you know, in the forties this weekend. That's really rare considering that the high today was well into the nineties. So if we're looking at, at that this weekend, like it's going to be just absolutely cold here in deep South Texas, I can only imagine what everybody else is going to be like. So we're really hoping that they're able to get some baseball played across the nation because, uh, you know, Cody and I definitely need something to watch and to do with our weekend as well. 
Ready to roll here into our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. And Cody will start it off with one that's very near and dear to me, taking place in Miami Gardens, Florida. It's the best rivalry in South Florida. It's Kaiser University and St. Thomas University. Taking a look at it here, the home team, St. Thomas University, starts the season one and three. They've got a 301 team average and 849 team ERA for the Bobcats to start the year. But hitting-wise, Daniel Mondejar is hitting 438. Alejandro Rivero is hitting 353 with a home run and five RBIs. Kaiser's gotten a lot more games in this season, Cody. They're 11-0. They're hitting 351 as a team with a 195 team ERA. They have six players with 10-plus RBIs over those 11 games. Ben McConnell has a team-high 20 hits. Matthew Catalfo has a 421 average with 14 RBIs. Nick Nebraska has a 395 average with 15 hits, seven extra base hits, four home runs, and 18 RBIs. And then pitching-wise, we talked about him. He was our NAI Ball Pitcher of the Week, Pablo Revelo. 0. 0.78 ERA, 3-0, 23 innings pitch, one walk, 26 strikeouts. Cody, this is going to be an interesting matchup because, I mean, I'm watching St. Thomas and Florida Memorial right now on the big screen, uh, but St. Thomas basically has four games under their belt and Pablo Revelo, you know, has, has pitched almost as many innings as they've gotten total games in for their entire team. This is going to be a really interesting matchup because Kaiser has a chance, you know, to, no matter what happens in this midweek game that they're playing floor, you know, crosstown rival Florida Memorial in Kaiser's got a chance to really make a dent in, in the sun conference race already by playing St. Thomas so early in the season. Yeah, I mean, I think both teams are as motivated as ever. I mean, if you look at the last 10 games, St. Thomas is 7-2-1. and one. They've really controlled this series, honestly, throughout their entire history. St. Thomas, as we know, they didn't have a good weekend last weekend in Georgia. I think they would tell you that, too. Uh, they lost a bunch of games that they probably didn't expect to lose. They just didn't play well, man. They didn't play well defensively. I think that was just the theme of the weekend. A lot of teams across the country didn't play well defensively. They, I think they just want to clean that up. There are some players, though, that like I was really looking forward to like seeing, and I got to see him. Ernesto Pino, he had a rough first inning, but, man, he locked in. He really locked in the next five innings. He went six innings, four arm, and nine strikeouts, but uh, he was getting a ton of swing and misses on his breaking ball. If that was a good curveball, man, he was striking out Gwinnett hitters left and right with that curveball. Uh, really good stuff. He's an ace. Like We saw him in Lewiston. Uh, we've seen him a couple of years. He's a really good pitcher. And if you put him up against a Revelo, Pino and Revelo, that's the best matchup in the country Friday. I don't care who else is throwing. Like, that's big time. You're talking about a Revelo throwing so many innings for Kaiser. Well, that's just because he doesn't walk anybody. I mean, if you look one walk in the season, that's incredible. The guy is a strike thrower. He's getting ahead of counts. We saw him in the Northwoods. He threw an immaculate inning. Great command of the zone. I think this is a big-time matchup. Uh, the freshman Robin Fernandez for St. Thomas, though, uh, talking to our boy Letterman over at St. Thomas, he said, hey, watch out for this guy. Impressive. He hit 400 up in Georgia. Looked really good. He looks the part physically. Definitely the player. Uh, Gio Soto had a start. He had an early start for St. Thomas. He's a Florida international transfer. Big-time swing and miss stuff. I was really impressed with him. He struck out seven batters in three innings. Uh, he's one of those guys, if he can throw strikes, he's got a – you know, his command was a little shaky. It was his first start of the season. But uh, he didn't give up a run in three innings. So he's a big-time talent. I think St. Thomas has the dudes. They really want this series because, you know, they don't want to start two weekends in a row like that. And then on the other side, the flip side of that, you have Kaiser. They haven't lost a game this season. They're flying high. They're dominating people. 
Kaiser's outscored their opponents this year 115 to 27. I mean, they're just beating people up. They look good doing it. Like you said, Nick Nebraska, he's second in the country. He has 18 RBIs this year for Kaiser. Big-time offensive performance for them. They're hitting 351. If you go to their box score, it looks like everyone's hitting north of 450. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this series. I think it's a really good clash of styles, and I'm excited to see it. This is one that you can watch. Uh, St. Thomas will have a video feed of this one, 6 p.m. Eastern from Miami Gardens, Florida. It, it's it's going to be a great one. It's it's going to be a great one. Uh, this is one of my favorite games every year. I love going down to Miami uh, and playing St. Thomas when I was at Kaiser. It, it's such a great series. I hate that they play this conference series so early in the year, but it's going to be a good one. For, for Kaiser, it's an absolute chance to win that conference series over St. Thomas, which is going to be so valuable for seeding, for national placement, so valuable down the road for St. Thomas. It's an opportunity to look at what you, you know, at what is essentially a slow start for the season and turn things around on a dime. Momentum will turn on an absolute instance. And St. Thomas is a team that, you know, just over my experience when they've had George Pettis, that if you give them an inch, you make an error, you drop a, a ball coming from the catcher to throw somebody out, you know, you anything, just any little thing to give them an opportunity. They take a mile and they capitalize and one air turns into like four straight hits in a row. And so St. Thomas, you know, just makes these things happen all the time. They take advantage of those opportunities and those extra outs and they get after it. So it's an opportunity for St. Thomas to pick itself back up. It's an opportunity for Kaiser, for the boys from West Palm Beach, to keep St. Thomas down and to really make a huge impact so early on in the year with a huge series in the Sun Conference. This is the best baseball conference in the nation, uh, sub-D1 in my own opinion. You know, it's going to be an absolute great matchup. Like you said, Pino versus Arevalo is going to be the top matchup in the nation. I'll be watching it Friday night. Absolutely excited for it. It is going to be absolutely fantastic, and that's why it is our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. Cody, man, before we get going, we've had a really jam-packed show this week, two interviews, uh, which we have not done since Season 1. It's been absolutely fantastic this week. Again, thank you to everybody who joined us on the show, but Cody, give me your final thoughts really quickly. I mean, yeah, just huge thanks to Cespedes Family Barbecue and huge thanks to Coach McCabe for coming on the show and talking about his team. You know, we've been a believer in Ben U for a while now. They've been projecting up, and I think this is the year they break through and get to that opening round. We're going to get to see more and more people play this weekend. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to this week of baseball. Hopefully the weather stays clear, everyone can play, everyone can stay healthy, and let's go play ball, man. Absolutely excited for it. Absolutely thrilled. Excited you get to see some really good baseball in person. I will get to see some really good baseball on television. It is going to be absolutely fantastic. As always, you can follow myself, the host of the NAI Ball Podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063. Follow Cody Butler. Follow your news, stats, scores, information from around the nation, 24-7, 365. Really, it's more 25-8 at NAI Ball. If you're not already doing it, you should be. And the NAI Ball Podcast, like, subscribe, download, rinse, repeat, then make every freshman, sophomore, undergrad, Everybody on your team should be doing it. They should be listening to this podcast so they know who's who around the nation. Your number one source for small college baseball. Your number one source for NAI baseball. 
365, always with you. NAI ball talking nothing but NAI baseball constantly. That'll do it for us this week. Season four, episode three is done. We will talk to you next week once again. Until then, for Cody Butler, I'm Robbie Gutierrez. We hope you have a great day and an even better.